0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Worthy of the praise, the glory, and the honor. I was in the room this afternoon flipping through my bible and it fell open to open to that familiar psalm psalm chapter 34 where david penned those words i will bless the lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth and i thought you know there's a lot of folks that would tell you you can't have church on a saturday night because you've got so much going on and people are going to be thinking about who's playing football and You have service the next morning on Sunday and everybody's going to be worried about what's happening in their week and what's going to happen next week. And and, and in every version I've ever read of that Psalm 34, just before that starts, it says a psalm that David wrote when he feigned himself mad. And we've preached for years about David feigning himself mad, and I think that is proof that it wasn't just a ploy and a plea of a fearful man, but it was a man who lost himself in worship. He was saying "I may, it may be Saturday night. I may be in the king's court. I may have everything in the world on my mind, but I don't have time for anything but blessing the Lord and praising His name. I don't have time to talk to you about work next week. I don't have time to talk about you. I don't have time for anything but praise and worship. I'm telling you church tonight my mindset is for the next little while I don't have time for anything but to praise him. I don't have time for anything but worship. I I don't care who's here. I don't care who's not here. I'm too busy blessing and praising. Wow. The presence of the Lord is in this house. I felt it through worship service. I feel it right now and I'm going to get started or I'll preach before I ever preach. Genesis 9 and 4 is is the text I'd like to take, just one scripture, um, but I believe every word in the scripture is powerful. I think we can preach from one scripture. I truly do. To say it's a privilege to stand in this pulpit would be inadequate. It is truly an, an honor to be here in service with you with the McGee family, such an incredible Christian family in a world where we use Christians so loosely. We we call everybody that's a good man a Christian. That's just not always the case, but this family is truly a family of Christian people. Bishop McGee, I give him honor. I, I, uh, last night, I must, I must confess, my interest has been piqued and I need to hear this message about A1 steak sauce. Any man that can preach about A1's got to be a preacher and uh, you, you just you folks don't know how blessed you are you have him and then you've got pastor mcgee and if i live to be a hundred or a thousand years old i will never forget the way the presence of the lord moved in that camp when he began to preach about son of god status this summer in texas one of the most sovereign moves of god i've ever been a part of and, and just just a, an incredible family incredible preachers uh you know i think i may have said this before but there are churches that have a reputation for being tough to preach at you know as evangelists we talk we say you may not want to go there it's kind of tough to preach it gets tight you all probably ought to have that reputation but not because it gets tight but because you hear such great preaching on a regular basis it ought to be tough to preach here you all have some of the best preachers in the world and and not only that, they've got some wonderful folks to help them preach. Last time I was here, we had incredible church, and it was because you all helped me. So I'm depending on that again tonight. Genesis 9 and 4. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. God's laying down some rule and instruction. And he says, now, you can have anything you want to eat. But flesh, it's still got the blood in it. Don't touch it because that's where life's at. The source of life is in the blood. You may be seated. I read a couple more scriptures in your hearing just to solidify my foundation. If we flip over to the book of the law, we get to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 17 especially says, verse 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it, You upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul Then in verse 14 again, it reiterates for it is the life of all flesh The blood of it is the life thereof. Therefore I said unto thee, children of Israel ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof God's making a point throughout the scripture that in the blood lies life. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight, if you'd allow me to, from the topic by the blood, by the blood. Understand that our Bibles are a book of blood. The Bible is a very bloody book. When we're accused of Living and preaching a bloody gospel, we must plead guilty as charged, for the only thing that gives life to our teaching and power to our message is the fact that the blood is the life of the gospel. By the blood, this gospel lives. Hebrews 4 and 12, we love to quote so much. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, divide, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that word quick in the very first sentence when it's translated literally means to live, to breathe, to be among the living. So the word is alive. We have scripture to tell us uh, that the word lives and the life is in the blood. It is the only book in the history of the world that professes to be a living book. But without the blood, it would be like any other book and of no more value. For it is the blood that gives life to the word that gives life to you and I. From Genesis to Revelation, when we explore the word of God, we see a stream of blood running book after book, verse after verse. Uh, We see that stream of blood which imparts life and hope and joy, salvation and peace uh, to all who would dare to live and die by the blood. It's by the blood the word is alive. And not only by the blood does the gospel live, not only by the blood does the word of God live, but it is by the blood that you and I live both spiritually and physically, life, that mysterious of all things uh, that is so tough for science to define and they cannot create. Uh, It is said by God that this life that we can't define or create uh, lives in the blood. The blood is the only thing that allows life to exist. It's true for all flesh. It comes flowing to realization for humanity when we injure or cut or harm ourselves and we see that blood begin to flow to the surface. Uh, When it begins to flow outside the skin, we realize uh, that it means pain and even death. understand that physically the blood is the only thing that separates us from the dead, the flowing of the blood. But tonight let's focus on the blood that flowed at Calvary that meant not pain and death to us but rather life and life more abundantly if you'd allow me a little while tonight I'm not going to preach a long time but uh, if we look at the physical body it's made of tissues it's made of, uh, of different things different, different parts uh, you've got muscles and you've got nerves and you've got fat and you've got glands and you've got bone and you've got connective tissue and you've got ligaments uh, and all these tissues have one thing in common and that is that they are fixed They stay in one place. The... The ankle bone will always be the ankle bone. Your fingers will always be your fingers. The tendons that run in your legs will always be in the same place, but it is not so with the blood. The blood is the only part of the body that flows and moves from one tissue to the other, and its job is to take life to those tissues, but it also transports and it carries away the things that don't need the poisons. It takes them to where they need to go in the body and understand that if the blood ever stops flowing to one part of the body, that part of the body no longer lives. That's, that's very important to us. Understand that man is living as long as the blood is flowing. A man can be brain dead, but he cannot be declared legally dead until the blood ceases to flow from the heart to the arms, to the legs, to the brain. Understand, church, tonight the only point I'll make is as long as the blood flows, you still have a chance. As long as the blood still flows, uh, there's still healing. Uh, As long as the blood still flows, uh, there's still deliverance. Uh, As long as the blood flows, there's hope, Uh, there's peace. Uh, There's anything you need. blood is fluid, it's mobile, it's not limited to one part of the body, but it freely moves throughout the body and supplies fixed cells with nourishment. Carries away a waste of cell activity in a process science calls metabolism. When the body starts to grow, get bigger, and and you ever heard anybody, when you encounter somebody, I'm not making fun at all, but I had an uncle that was somewhat overweight, And when you said something to him about it, he'd say, I have slow metabolism. Scientifically, as the body begins to grow, I'm not talking about healthy growth and muscle. I'm talking about when it begins to get lethargic and begins to get overweight and things begin to happen and it begins to swell, if you will. It's because the blood is not flowing as fast and as powerfully as it used to. Does that make sense to you? When we begin to get slow, when we can't force ourselves and provoke ourselves to worship on a Wednesday night when we have a little trouble getting up on Sunday morning. It's got nothing to do with anything but we have restricted the flow of the blood in our life. We have restricted the flow of that blood that carries grace, that carries hope, that carries peace, that passes understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm telling you if you're feeling slow, if you're feeling like you don't live like you used to, it's time time to revisit the blood furthermore the apostle Paul arguably the greatest writer in the New Testament begins to pin in several different places he begins to tell us and talk to us about what the church is that we've been called to be one body with Christ the head in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 10 1 Corinthians 12, Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4 he calls us one body He says, you've been called to be one body in Christ uh, with him as the head. I begin to think about this. I begin to think about this problem. Maybe I'm teaching tonight and I'm not qualified to, but I just want to talk a little while. And and he begins to talk about this this body thing. And it's a fact that when a member is removed from the body, the blood can no longer flow to that member. When a member is separated from the body, The separation, that's the reason. And here's what happens. The member dies. If we take a limb or an appendage from the body and we sever it, the blood ceases to flow from the heart through the veins to that member, then the member dies. But the body lives on understand if I leave here and some accident unforeseen happens and I lose a leg the leg if the blood doesn't flow for a certain amount of time will die and wither but the body can be saved and the body will live case in point is we cannot afford to separate ourselves from the body because when we separate ourselves from the body the blood ceases to flow but I'm spiritually strong but I pray but I fast that's good but you gotta get the blood from the body nobody's strong enough to live by themselves I'm telling you you ought to have a prayer closet you ought to fast you ought to pray but there's something in corporate worship that you can't get anywhere else there's something about showing up here on revival night and throwing those hands up and singing with your church family and praising and worship You can't get it anywhere else. I'm telling you, you got to have the body because with the body comes the blood. I'd not offend anybody. I'd not be unkind for all the money in the world, but I'm telling you, I am sick and tired of people losing out with God for a good reason. I'm wading off in it, so I'll just preach about it. I'll be gone next week. You'll be mad at me, and I'll be out of the country. But I'm sick and tired of folks saying, well, they made me mad. That's the reason I quit coming to church. They hurt my feelings. That's the reason I quit coming to church. They offended me. And a lot of those folks have a good reason. Their feelings ought to have been hurt. Somebody said something they shouldn't have said. Somebody shared a secret they shouldn't have shared. But my God, what will it be when we get to eternity and he opens the book of life and he says, why did you separate yourself from the body? And we say, but God, I had a good reason. Quitting for a good reason is still quitting. Some of us need to make our minds up. If the doors are open, I'm stepping in that stream of blood. If they're having church, I'm getting in it. If they're having revival, I'll be there. If anybody's praying, I'm praying. If anybody's singing, I'm singing. If anybody's dancing, I'm dancing. If anybody's shouting, I'm shouting. It's by the blood. I stay alive. The members live because of the body, not vice versa. The body doesn't exist for the sake of the members. The members exist for the sake of the body. We got to get beyond this stuff, getting our feelings hurt, and quitting, and giving up, and not living for God because we think the body has offended us. Never one time... Has your foot run off because it got mad at your leg? It's humorous. It doesn't even make sense. It's not logical. Yet, us in the body, if we get a toe stepped on, we want to leave the foot. And that is our only connection to the blood. And it's by the blood by the blood do all things occur that happen in our spiritual walks it's by the blood that every good thing flows to us it's by the blood that every blessing from above flows to you and I in Hebrews 9 and 22 it's by the blood the law is purged and remission occurs in Genesis chapter 4 it's by the blood that Cain was judged in Exodus chapter 12 it's by the blood that God's chosen people are delivered out of Egypt in Leviticus it's by the blood that the sacrifice is made and forgiveness is received. In Mark 26 28, Matthew 12 14 and 24 and Luke 22 it's by the blood that sins are forgiven. In Acts 20 it's by the blood we've been purchased. In Romans 3 it's by the blood we receive righteousness. In Romans 5 it's by the blood we're justified. In Ephesians 1 it's by the blood we're redeemed. In Ephesians 2 it's by the blood we're made high. In Hebrews 2 it's by the blood we're promised. In Hebrews 13 it's by the blood we're sanctified. First John 1 it's it's by the blood we're cleansed. First John 5, it's by the blood we're united. Isaiah 53, it's by the blood we're healed. Revelation 12, it's by the blood we're made overcomers. Whatever you need, it comes by the blood. I know we don't preach a blood-soaked cross anymore, but it's the only thing that saved us. It's the only thing that separates us. Oh my God, I love separation. I want to be separated, but it's not by the way I dress. It's by the blood I'm separated, and it causes me to dress the way I dress. It's by the blood we're healed, by the blood we're filled, by the blood we're forgiven, delivered, judged, redeemed, repaired, renewed, whatever our situation is, it's by the blood we're covered. I'm telling you, church, we cannot get so advanced that we forget the message of Christ and him crucified, for it's by the blood that we're resurrected. It's by the blood that death no longer reigns. It's by the blood we've been saved. In Eden, uh, blood was spilled uh, so Adam and Eve's nakedness uh, or their sin could be covered. In Egypt, blood spots on the doorposts saved the lives of the firstborn. Uh, after the blood of the sacrifice, uh, the Israelites were saved. Uh, at Calvary, blood ran down a cross uh, so the whole world could be saved. Do you see a trend? Anytime anybody was saved in the Bible, it was by the blood. If it ever took the blood to save, it still takes the blood. The blood may seem so violent and painful, but it has always been shed because of God's love and his compassion. It is ironic that he chose Such a violent and painful method to show His love, but you cannot truly know His love until you pass through His blood. And I began to look and research in the scripture, and maybe this is a stretch, but I don't think it is. And John 19 says, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. There's no accidents in the Bible. Nothing happens by happenstance. Nothing is coincidental. It's no coincidence that when the blood flowed, the water flowed also. First John 5 and 6, uh, this is he that came by the water and the blood, even Jesus Christ. Uh, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Uh, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. When we begin to bleed the blood, that's okay. But once you go through the water and are filled with the Spirit, you have the protection of His blood and you can know His love. When you are baptized in Jesus' name, it's representative of that blood. And understand there's a difference between being loved and knowing love. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions even of children in this world who are truly loved. They've been estranged from parents. Parents are heartbroken because of the loss of the children and the children are heartbroken because they don't know their parents and their love but that love's not doing them one bit of good. There are those among us, we all profess that we love estranged orphans, we love the fatherless, we love the hungry, we love the poor, the cold. That love's not doing them one bit of good. They are loved, but they don't know love. You see, to know love is when you go and you take them by the hand. Let me help you, let me feed you, let me clothe you. Let me take you to my house. You can sleep in my bed. You can sleep on my couch. Let me help you out of this situation. That is what it is to know love. And we can crow about the love of God until we're blue in the face. We can crow about Him loving everybody everywhere. He loved me. He loved me. But there is nothing that we can do until we know that love. Maybe I didn't articulate that well. We can be loved all we want, but until we begin to get into His presence and step in the blood, we will never know that love. All the love in the world can only take us so far until we begin to find a way to know Him, because to know Him is not only to love Him, but it's to know His love. Understand, that's why things like, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, are so, our Lord our God is one. Lord is so important it's not just doctrine but it means we know him better and to know him is to be loved by him that's why these things are so foundationally important Daniel said the people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits it's not just about quoting scripture it's about knowing the love of God and getting That's the difference when you know him, when you know the power of the blood, when you've been baptized in his name, when you've been redeemed, when you've experienced repentance and the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. That is what it is to know his love that's what it is uh, that feeling uh, that joy unspeakable that you felt uh, the first time you were in his presence uh, that's the difference in being loved uh, and knowing his love uh, I'm telling you church uh, you hadn't lived till you know his love I'm not opposed to pleading the blood I'm not opposed I love that old song over every situation give me the blood But I'm telling you there are times when we don't have the time to go on a 45 minute blood bleeding rampage in prayer. There are situations where you and I do not have time to spend. Lord, I plead the blood over this situation. God, I plead the blood over my children. But if we can get those situations in the presence of God or if we can get ourselves full of the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, that means the blood was pled the minute you went under the water. You don't have to spend time pleading. You don't have to spend time making your case. You don't have to spend time asking and questioning. You're already under the blood and that makes the difference I may have told this here I, I tell you sometimes preachers are sometimes preachers are kind of like comedians uh, and the fact that we we have these no there are some preachers that are a lot like comedians because it's funny but Sometimes we get these bits started and we start working them into messages and we forget which messages we worked them into. And I may, I've only preached here once, but I'm telling you, I just can't remember. But whatever, whatever you practice in times of monotony in everyday life, that's what's going to come out in times of crisis. That's the reason that fire drills and tornado drills are so important when you're a child in elementary school. I could go back to my elementary school today. To make a long story short, I could walk back down the the hall, go in any classroom, and if the fire alarm went off, I would know to get in line in alphabetical order, stand and wait till the teacher turned her back to the door, walked us down the hall, down the sidewalk, and across the street to the parking lot of the church that's located across the street. Because we did that every other day. every other week I apologize every other week for nine years when I was in that school and do you know what the one time we actually had a fire nobody was left behind because every student had practiced week in and week out what it took to get out of the school with no casualties and no problems and if we live in a manner that before we can get anything done we've got to fall on our face and repent all over again and beg God for forgiveness then when crisis comes we're all not going to know what to do but if we live under the blood every day if we're repenting and dying daily if we're stepping back in the blood when crisis comes when there's an accident on the way when your children are having problems when your marriage is in turmoil you won't have to spend hours pleading and repenting you'll be living under the blood it's by the blood we live it's by the blood we breathe It's by the blood we can make it. I'm going to close. I told you I wouldn't preach long. We can't start this revival with broken promises. But to know the blood is to know the love. I use this illustration as I close. A man once visited a shepherd and began to inquire about his flock. And looking upon the sheep, he noticed that there were many very memorable traits that some of the animals possessed. One in particular only had three legs. The young man who was visiting asked the old shepherd what the name of that sheep was, to which the shepherd replied, her name is Alice. The visitor to the flock looked perplexed. He communicated to the shepherd that he would have called her Tripod. Another sheep came by and had something wrong with its wool that resulted in oddly shaped spots all over the animal. When asked its name, the old caretaker of the flock said, I call him John. The visitor said, I think Spot would have been a better name for that particular animal. Another of the flock wandered by And the conversation continued, this time the sheep was a little smaller than all the rest. And again the visitor asked the shepherd, what is the name of this sheep? And again, the shepherd responded, the name of that one is Timothy. Yet again the young man visiting the flock had a better name, he said I'd have called him Tiny. As sheep after sheep came by, question after question was asked about their names because of their traits, their deformities and their sicknesses. Until finally, in frustration, the man exclaimed, They're just animals. Why do you call them by their names instead of the traits that are easy to remember? The old shepherd turned with a tear in his eye and said, They're my sheep, and I don't know them by their infirmity. I know them by name. That's what it is to know the love of Christ. That's what it is to live under the blood. When the rest of the world knows you by your infirmity, God knows you by name. Doesn't matter who you were yesterday, it's under the blood. Doesn't matter what your sin was this morning, it's under the blood. Doesn't matter what your sickness was last week, last month, or last year, it's under the blood, and it's by the blood we've got power to move on. It's by the blood we've got power to continue. If you'd stand, some of you are thinking, I visited the blood. I visited the blood. I know what it is to go to an altar, and I've still got problems. Humanity's never going to recognize the change that happens when we visit the blood. They may say there's something different about your life, but there are, people have a way of always being critical. It's not something new. It's not something that plagues just you and I. It's as old as time and humanity. We go through our Bibles, and I could say a name and you could say the first thing that popped in your mind. Rahab the harlot. Naaman the leper. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yet after Rahab came in contact with the blood, we have no record of her ever being a harlot again. After Naaman dipped in that water that we so closely associate with the blood, He was no longer a leper. After Jacob came in contact with the God of the blood, his name was changed to Israel. Yet something like 500 more times, he's referred to as Jacob through the Bible. Don't think just because you come in contact with the blood, everything's going to come up perfect. But it gives you hope. And as long as you know God has seen the difference, that's all that matters, folks. As long as you know that you visited the blood and you and God are secure in that, that's all that matters. The Bible promises life and life more abundantly. Life is happiness and it's sadness. It's good times and it's bad times. It's joy and it's heartbreak. It's triumph and it's defeat. But when you live it under the blood, you've got hope beyond this world as they begin to play softly would you raise your hands begin to pray with me lord i love you jesus i thank you for your word god i thank you for your blood god i thank you that the blood is my lifeline lord i thank you that your blood saves me heals me fills me covers me and delivers me Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that somebody would be encouraged by the power of your blood tonight. Father, we pray that somebody be touched moved by your blood, Jesus. Church, I understand a message like tonight may not have been for everybody in the house. But I want somebody to be reminded that no matter where you've walked, no matter what you've done, no matter what life has passed your way, no matter what sickness, no matter what what defeat, trouble, or trial, that you're no further than the walk to an altar from the healing, cleansing, saving power of the blood of Christ. And it doesn't take a a, a big, long, drawn-out ceremony. It simply takes you walking to an altar, getting along with God, and turning every situation and every problem over to Him. And on this first service uh, that we will be together, I I would that we'd all find us a place to pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter